0: Hi, welcome to Offscript, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show we'll be reviewing the new Shane Black film, The Predator. We'll also be having a brief discussion about superheroes in film. And we'll be taking a look at a film while that while normally I introduce films via director, this time I'm going to go... Uh, actor, the new Matthew McConaughey vehicle, white boy, Rick. Uh, we'll also be talking about some news, and I want to dig right into that. First, Henry Cavill out as Superman amid Warner Brothers DC Universe shakeup. He is no longer the Man of Steel. Andy, you found this story. You're a big comic book fan. <laughs> That's right. What do you think?
1: Oh, was heartbroken. Um, so, I mean, Man of Steel and Henry Cavill are what started off and kicked off the DC Universe, which has not been very good, but mm. I, I'm a big fan of Man of Steel. It's it's a very... Pro- the first two-thirds of that movie are going somewhere, um, and I feel like he had the look and the physique to, to really play the character. Um, so, yeah, I'm disappointed that uh, he won't be in the role anymore.
0: Right. It's weird. Uh, apparently, what had happened was Warner Brothers was trying to work out a deal with his uh, representation, I guess, his, his agency, uh, to get a Superman cameo in the new Shazam film starring Zachary Levi coming out. Uh, April April. 5th I think yeah Uh, but that didn't work out and apparently things broke down around then supposedly this has something to do with Warner Brothers uh, creating a Supergirl movie which is an origin story for the teen superhero heroine Um, arguably that's where problems came in because he's older I guess I don't know kind of
1: so in the comics they've always worked around that um, even though that she's his cousin and technically older they do something like oh she was in super hibernation or something and that's why what you know they do comic book writing to get around that and have them exist at at the same time because they do constantly
0: right i I think another issue for him is the fact that warner brothers will probably not likely be making another independent super superman film for a little while
1: yeah it'll
0: it'll be more collaborations which I, I know we rag on DC a lot, but frankly, like, really? Why not? Man of Steel is pretty good. Like, you could probably make another solo Superman film and it would work. So they were
1: um, they were a little underwhelmed financially with Man of Steel, and that's why they went directly into Batman v Superman, because they were supposed to make another Superman film second. That was supposed to be the second film. Um, and then it, it just didn't – it did fine, but not great uh, financially, so that they kind of, you know, they changed strategy right right away, which I think is uh, – you know detrimental, but there's so many great Superman stories that you could tell, and we're, and the, we're familiar enough with the character that we, you could start doing kind of alternative stories. You could do Kingdom Come, you could do Red Sun, you could do, yeah, just some of these kind of more interesting stories,
0: yeah. And it's tough, I, like they, they said in here, that that uh, Superman is like James Bond, like every few years you got to recast him. No, that's PR spin, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't totally. think that's true, yeah. Like, I, I think people do not like warming up to a new Superman he's already hard enough to sell on the silver screen having to start back over from scratch is a setback don't act like it's a step forward
1: it's not yeah and he hasn't done enough if he had done like his own solid trilogy mm-hmm. sure or if he'd done four or five films sure but he was kind of in like one and a half movies
0: oh technically three but yeah i arguably really, <laughs> really one and a half I see what you did there we'll <laughs> very get, little screen time we'll get more into superheroes and casting because we also want to talk about Ben Affleck and him stepping out of Batman We'll get into that after our Predator review, so stay tuned for that. We're going to have a deeper conversation. Next up on the news docket, Joaquin Phoenix's first look photo of the Joker in the new Todd Phillips film. Uh, he Todd Phillips posted this to Instagram with the caption, Arthur, and, and that's about it. And it's kind of, a, kind of a one-off profile shot of Mr. Phoenix looking a little grizzled. Uh, you should definitely go looking for that if
1: you haven't seen it. Andy, immediate thoughts. Um, well, he looks a little on the older side, mm. and there were a lot of comments that he looks a, a lot like Anton Shiger from No Country for Old Men, which we ironically talked about last week. Funny story. Um, so this is supposed to be an origin story, which is kind of a, a strange issue with the Joker, anyways. And it's it's interesting that he's they've go, they're they're going with an older kind of version of of him, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I remember people, you know, reading the Reddit, Reddit comments and people saying, well, he looks too old and he's going to have to get, you know, plastic surgery or something. I'm like, well, that can all be worked out with the Joker. That's all possible, right? The, jo- the Joker kind of has a stereotypical look and, and that can be managed. I also know that they're trying to go for a different direction, right? They don't want this to be Leto's Joker. They want this to be kind of its own thing, I guess. Its own little, its own yeah. little story, right? So for what it's worth, I guess his age is kind of... It's not that important, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it's a smaller, mid-budget movie, so it's almost more like a, not an indie, but it's going to be more of a character approach. And I think it's important for our listeners to also remember that the Joker technically has no backstory. Because he doesn't even know his own, like, because he's so insane, he just kind of makes up uh, his past as he goes along. There's a great line in The Killing Joke where he says, if I'm going to have a past, I prefer that it be multiple choice. Multiple
0: choice, yes. So it's weird. Uh, I I think everybody's... I think it's important to look at the buzz around this. People want to know what this is about. Like, people are interested. And that's that's worth knowing, that, like, somebody somewhere is going, wait, a Joker movie? I might pay to go see that. And I think Warner Brothers is aware of that. Um, I I think the mystique around it is cool. But, like, I guess the question is, is it always... Will will Joker always be cool? Or is it something about Joaquin Phoenix and, and Todd Phillips, director of The Hangover, coming together on a project called Joker that makes people, like interested is it the character or is the
1: setting around it i think it's the character and in the in the fact that it is kind of a more serious uh, approach a more character driven approach and less of a huge blockbuster 300 million dollar project mm-hmm.
0: i agree i i think it's the character there's something about the joker that's always always fascinating to us maybe it's that maybe it's that uh, he he doesn't have a past maybe it's that he is arguably the greatest comic book villain of all time. Uh, maybe, right. it's, maybe it's Heath Ledger spinning it in a way and Jack Nicholson's weird approach. Like, There's something about him that we all like and the idea of acclaimed uh, award Academy Award winner, Joaquin Phoenix.
1: Is he an Academy I'm Award? Not, one? Uh, I can't remember. Off the top of my
0: head, I don't think so, which is surprising. Anyway, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips, director of The Hangover, coming together to make a joke and movie. Like, it's interesting. Uh, and It just makes the character that much more engaging. So either way, um, we'll yeah, keep track th- of that, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing uh, is that you have to kind of pick a direction and go. Mm. Like the Jack Nich- Nicholson Joker is a gangster. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker was just kind of a anarchist chaotic. Sure. So you have to pick a direction and c- try to do kind of a different new version. And I think that's the real challenge.
0: As somebody who didn't see Suicide Squad, what was Jared Leto's Joker? Uh, man,
1: he was... I feel bad for Jared Leto because I feel he, oh. he's he's just kind of, he was okay, but he was just kind of a mix between Jim Carrey and Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. Well, that's um, painful. And but, Jim
0: Carrey is Riddler, but yeah. Yeah.
1: But he, he was real uh, upset with, you know, how that. Yeah, film he was did cut. not
0: like the way that went. Yeah, he, he was not a fan of that. We'll see if he gets to play the character again. Last story AMC settles lawsuit over alleged conspiracy with major studios. For anybody who didn't keep up with our show from. Just a few weeks ago, I feel yeah. like we talked about this. AMC and Viva Cinemas uh, out in Houston were running into some trouble. Viva is a, a, a Spanish theater chain. They said uh, AMC is kind of running our running our films out, out of the market. Uh, no, we, we can't get good distribution of popular films here because AMC has them across the street and they're working with the studios or whatever to make sure we don't get them. Some kind of conspiracy theory, uh, AMC, of course, denied it. They've gone to trial, or they were going to trial, I should say, and and then right before the trial started, which was supposed to be today, today yeah, Monday when we we're recording this podcast, uh, they 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 paid up and said, you know, we're going to sell this out of court. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And so the lawyers worked out their deal. We have no idea how much money was settled. Uh, we have no idea how everybody feels about it. The official quote is: uh, the parties have reached a mutually agreeable resolution and have no further comment. Andy, what are our further comments?
1: Um. Well, you know, AMC gets another one in the bag because they ran off their competition, which is what they were accused of doing, and mm-hmm. then they just paid the hush money to not have to deal with the aftermath.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not pleased with this, and I'll tell you why. One, because as an onlooker, I, I like to see somebody take a swing at the big dog. I like to see somebody say, "Hey, AMC, we don't like what you're doing." Like that, I'm. I'm. I'm cool with that. And two. Because, like, I hate when this happens, man. Like, really? <laughs> what the dirty n- detail. Yeah, we never find out anything. Justice is never truly served. Like, money gets paid out and that's it? Great. But what do we learn at the end of the day? This isn't any good. I know this isn't a political podcast, but come on, guys. Like, we, we want to know the score was. AMC doing it? Did something really happen? Will this happen again? Now we'll never know.
1: Well, one thing that's interesting is that th- this would have kind of set, set the stage for a battle between... Uh, the challenge the 1948 case, uh, which was universal versus the United States, where they ruled that a, th- a studio cannot own a theater chain because of like conflict of interest mm-hmm. and unfair, you know, trade practices, whatever antitrust laws. So this was going to be the first time since ni- that 1948 case that they were going to kind of approach the subject again so that was going to be a real interesting thing but now they just settled so it's not going to happen
0: yeah one of two things happened i think either a viva brought this case and didn't think they had enough had enough against amc and were just going for the buyout which worked and kudos viva or b you did have enough to prove something and amc approached you with a big enough offer that to buy out and you went with it and either way a little bit Shame on you, Viva. <laughs> what an opportunity. Like, you you got AMC in the headlines here slinging mud, and, and you back off. And, like, it must have been a sizable, sizable amount of money for them to back off. Because this would have been a PR nightmare for AMC. The longer this ran, the more it would seem like AMC is against foreign language films, films in a yeah. different language. Like, this would have looked bad for them. So I get them buying out. I get it. I get them coming to the table and saying, here's our money. We're done. But, man... Come on, like this is what life's all about—is <laughs> watching people with more money than me fight over it. Like yeah. that's what I want. That's what I want to see. That's what this should have been. So, bummer, I guess. Any 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 thoughts on yeah.
1: that? Well, I mean, I, I have a number of lawyer friends, and they they say, you know, whatever settles the case, whatever it closes it, like that's the lawyer people that that that's what they want. They want to resolve it as soon as possible and get everyone paid.
0: Yeah, I think that's. Uh I think that's what happened here. Anyway, uh, we should move on to our first film of the evening, Shane Black's Predator. Alien. Alright, so first off, getting into this movie, to talk about the plot, because that's what we do, All right. I'm gonna be a little, uh, I'm gonna stumble through this a little bit and I'll tell you why. And this is disappointing, I haven't told Andy this yet. I missed the first few minutes of this movie. And it's a bummer. I, I, I bought tickets in advance. I thought, oh, I can make it out of this event. I can make it to this in time, on time. It started raining real bad. I sat through two hours of The Predator, no lie, soaking wet, running from my car to the theater. <laughs> oh, no. And it was freezing. And it didn't change the way I feel about the movie because I feel the same way whether or not I'm wet or dry. Uh, and we'll get to how I feel about it in a second. But the plot, yes. Uh, when a young boy accidentally triggers the universe's most lethal hunters return to Earth, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race. Got that right off IMDb. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I got that off IMDb because, frankly, I, I missed the first few minutes, and I thought maybe there was something I, I, I should have caught in the setup there. But I, I think it mostly gets... A,
1: it's largely irrelevant. It's
0: largely irrelevant. Uh, Andy, what did you think of Shane Black's The Predator?
1: Okay, so as I've said before, it's important to go in with certain expectations when you go, it, no matter what you're seeing. That's part of enjoying cinema. Sure. Um, and something like this, I know it's, I'm expecting kind of a mindless action, shoot em up, alien, whatever.
0: Are you a fan of the original Predator?
1: Um not really. Not, okay, it's that's not, fine. Not, I, not that I, I am, so this will
0: be a good conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah, not not that I don't like it. I've just I've seen bits and pieces of it. I don't really remember it all too well. I've seen yeah. bits and pieces of a number of the Alien films. Not a huge fan or anything. Um, it is really bad. It is so bad. It's, and it's on, horrible on, on so many levels. Um, so first of all, the plot is. All over the place. Completely non-cohesive. Yep. You, you cannot... It's incredibly hard to follow. It's like they there's all these kind of setups where they just put characters in and they just move them well, from A to B.
0: It's not... Okay. It's not incredibly hard to follow. It's easy to follow if you don't think about it for longer than eight seconds. If you put any thought into what the characters yeah. are doing, it falls apart. It's very thin.
1: Yeah. And th- there's... I, I had real problems with... Uh, let's... Let me go broad. So... Uh, the characters aren't very interesting. There's a lot of humor that is not funny and does not land at all.
0: Very one-dimensional uh, characters. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, is very bad gender imbalance. Uh, Olivia Munn's character is just kind of there to be the t- the, to- the token woman. <laughs> yeah, in uh, a really
0: really exploitative way that it was really uncomfortable frankly, yeah, for me.
1: The son played by uh, Jacob Tremblay yep. is um, an autistic genius, which is that trope kind of has its own problems. Isn't that the as most? Well,
0: in that. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just... Uh, it's poorly edited. Very it's, poorly. It's, uh, the action sequences are... seem. It just seems really dated. It seems like we're past this kind of action.
0: Right, and I think that's a good place to start. All right, I do. Uh, the approach of this film. I think Shane Black, who made Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys, who, who is known for his very snappy, witty approach to filmmaking, which works, because both of those movies are great. I, I think... He was in the original Predator. It's worth yeah. noting. He was one of the guys in that. He was the guy making the extra, horrible... Yeah. yeah. He he was one of the, the Merc crews. Uh, he was kind of the nerdy guy wearing glasses. And he was making the horrible uh, hor- horrible sexist jokes that Fall Flat in the first film. And how appropriate for this movie. Because I feel like he leaned all the way into that. When you talk about Predator, what it is. Especially the first one, right? Predator is at its core a slasher film. It, it is like... Michael Myers and Halloween it is, it is, it is like Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street it is a slasher flick. You have a bunch of mercenaries that go out to the woods. They're doing their own mission. And then somewhere along the way, this weird monster shows up in the woods and starts ta- tearing them apart one by one. It's a monster movie. I mean, it's yeah. what it is. And so you got a little bit of action, and you got a little bit of horror, and that comes together, and you make Predator. Now you've got the the, the set dressing of uh, uh, the the woods, uh, the, the jungle, I should say, and you've got glistening biceps from Arnold, and, and that's great. It was directed. Mm-hmm. The first one was directed by John McTiernan, director of Die Hard. It's good stuff. There's some good old fashioned action in there. And when you look at the reboot, uh, Predators, which starred Adrian Brody and Topher Grace, that came out in 2007, off the top of my head. Uh, That was more horror. They were leaning into the darker side. That was a bunch of mercenaries that were on a predator planet, and it was like dark and like hard to see. And like, there was a little bit more something to that. They were being hunted by something and they couldn't find it. And like, we all knew it was a predator, but like, they built it up a little bit more. This movie turns that steering wheel completely in the opposite direction. It's all action, no horror. There there is no build up to see the Predator. You see him in like ten minutes and he is he is completely on screen, basically in a white room. There there it is. Like there's no there's no substance, There's no mystery, to it. No, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I get it. Well, it's the Predator. It's the fifth one. I I know. But like, uh, you think of a movie like Aliens. Like, we all knew what the alien looked like. We all saw the first alien. But they build it up over time. You don't even see one for the first twenty minutes because you like you got to get to it. You got to you know work your characters up. You got to introduce the world and kind of get us into it. Especially when you're doing a reboot, you can't fall back on. Well, we all know what it looked like from before. It doesn't work. And in the case of Shane Black's Predator, he was going a hundred and ten percent, I think, into. This should feel like an 80s action film with, like, tone-deaf jokes and stupid action that, like, most of the time just falls flat because it doesn't it doesn't reach a bar that we're used to from something like Michael Pace Transformers. Uh, and, and we're going to cut the horror out completely. It's just going to be fun action the whole movie. And if, if you're going on a two-hour flick, this is one hour and 47 minutes, like, you can't keep that pace up. You just can't. It's yeah, an impossible bar to reach. So... What, what did you think about the, the tone of the film, I guess?
1: I mean, it was it was all over the place. Like I said, it was trying to be like an action comedy. Um, and mo- the most of the jokes, they're just not funny. You know, I, I could tell the screening I was in, uh, there were Predator fans because there were people laughing at jokes or in references that I didn't really understand. Yeah. But even those people were silent through most of the quote unquote jokes. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just, uh, they missed. so. Uh, toward towards the beginning, uh, Boyd Hol- Holbrook, who's really good in Narcos, is wh- where I first saw him. And uh, Logan, um, you know, he gets on this bus with these other kind of uh court-martialed. Uh, the, the
0: ragtag crew of ex-soldiers referred to in the uh, summary, yeah.
1: Right, and uh, they all kind of have a different uh, mental health issue, which was another thing I think they were trying to like raise people <laughs> like. Just because you're suicidal doesn't mean you can't be a great soul. I don't know. It's like a weird mixed message. I don't
0: know. There's a lot of mixed messages in this movie. Uh, like I said, a lot of the jokes fall flat. I, I can't say I ever laughed once. Really. No, I take it back. I laughed once at the absurdity of the situation. And, and I want to say, for Shane Black, being who he is, I think that was intentional. It, there's, a, there's a scene towards the end where, where two characters uh, die, and it's particularly... You probably know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's particularly... It's it, like it jumps the <laughs> shark in a way that is kind of funny. So yeah. it's like okay. To be fair, that's one good laugh out of this movie. But uh, yeah, every every joke is particularly tone deaf or or fairly offensive in a way that like I didn't. It wasn't funny. I was just uncomfortable. Like oh god, it reminded me of the Happy Time Murders. Like just not yeah not funny. Just just kind of uncomfortable and awkward. Uh, you've got what's his name. Uh, Thomas Jane, I think the guy that played the Punisher, right. he's he plays a a character with Tourette's, which is completely tone deaf.
1: I I feel like that's a fifteen year old. That felt drug. very
0: offensive. Yeah, watching him, I was like, that does not seem like how people with Tourette's are at all. Uh, Shane Shane Black, uh, Jacob Tremblay plays a character with with autism. This is gonna sound bad, but hear me out. Is autism an easy sell for child actors? Because like child actors usually aren't that good. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I mean, hear me out because he didn't. He didn't have a lot of lines. He's quiet. Just looks at stuff a lot. I'm like, that's easy for kid for child. It's, it's an, an easy anti-social. sell. social Yeah, it's an easy sell for child actors. Like they don't have to deliver big lines. They don't have to because these big lines weren't great. The ones yeah. he had were not well. But like, so, when, so when I, you don't talk a lot. and You're quiet. Like it kind of kind of goes over smooth. You know. I, I wonder if that's part of it. Like,
1: so I, I want to talk about the scene where we first see him. Sure. Because uh, this, as as a former school teacher, this was um, all over the place. So. We, we first meet him he's at school he's in what is clearly a science classroom he is eating lunch and also playing chess like the entire i was like none I of that scene i n- wasn't there for that n- so. none of these none of these things would have happened all at the same time for you would never eat in the uh science room you know the chemistry lab like sure. that's the last place that you just have food right. also you don't play chess during science class but but oh so let me tell you what happens in that scene so he uh a fire alarm goes off some kids bully him and like they knock over all these chess boards and then of course he like picks up all the pieces and he's memorized all like 10 chess boards and puts all the pieces back sure. and i rolled my eyes so hard at that nice. <laughs> at, at that moment um, yeah but, but there's lots of real uh, problematic kind of continuity or um can yeah continuity issues yeah uh there's there's parts like i said uh at one point everyone's on the bus and then when they arrive the next generation all the a- destination everyone has a gun right all of a sudden and and an array of different ones and ammo and like, sure
0: oh nobody ever runs out of ammo no nope. yeah, it's like oh, it a video works. game yeah it really is like a video game like it's it's and again, I'm like I, I I respect Shane Black enough to assume that that's intentional. Like I want this to be like like an old school in your face romp shoot 'em up movie. I think I I do think that's what he was going for, but like it just doesn't land. Like and maybe it's it's it reminds me of Action Point when you're like that kind of movie just doesn't work anymore. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. We're not impressed by it. Like it doesn't it doesn't fool us.
1: We have things and I haven't actually seen this, but John Wick that I've heard a lot has been praised for its, like, very accurate portrayal of, like, fire, firearm use. Yeah. And, you know, then then you have people just shooting automatic weapons and getting them out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and then that reminds me of uh, Olivia Munn's character, uh, uh, who is, like, a doctor and super soldier and MMA fighter. Technically and, a
0: science teacher, according to this. But, yeah,
1: she's definitely a, 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 a fill the void kind of character. Um and she's there for for some for some laughs that again don't land and she's put in some very kind of awkward uh, situations which don't really go over real well with the me too movement no
0: yeah like thing, things that happen to her in this movie that i'm like if she, if if that if that part was given to a man that wouldn't work it only works if she's a woman and you're exploiting that she's a woman in this movie like it's just yeah. and it's just like uncomfortable like come on and Again, like if you didn't catch it in the intro, you've got a
1: ragtag group of ex-soldiers and a female science teacher. Doesn't go over great. Like, yeah, I thought they should have had like you know a couple of those because there's like six of them. A couple of them should have been women.
0: Yeah, that probably would have been good. Yeah, that that would have changed it up. But they don't, uh, which is weird. I, I do want to talk about the casting in this. Frankly, I, I was disappointed because like the casting's pretty good. There's a lot of good actors and actresses in this. Like, there really yeah. are. I couldn't believe it. Like, and it wasn't that the performances were bad. It's just the puzzle that they uh, that they are pieces of is put together in a way that just didn't work. Like, I thought they were all pretty good for for what it's worth. Yeah, they're
1: supposed to be this ragtag group, but they never really form like bonds or like, no. Uh, it's implied that they're
0: all they're all friends already, and it's like okay, sure, that's very convenient for the sake of writing your film. But yeah, you don't get any kind of like togetherness. That was something I enjoyed in something like, and again, drawing drawing a far 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 comparison here aliens like you got this group of 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 mercs who know each other and work well together but slowly as the movie goes on as they get one by one systematically pulled off like they come closer together and like we as the audience get to know them better and this it kind of just doesn't happen in this movie like you kind of don't care about them ever Like (laughs) something will happen to one of them you just roll your eyes like okay next like you don't and, 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 and maybe this is some kind of indictment from Shane Black. Oh, violence in film. But, like, I, I think I'm way overthinking it. I, I don't I don't think that was it. I, I think it was, I'm going to make a fun 80s flick. I just didn't. It doesn't land. It doesn't work. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the music, Forgettable, which is surprising because the composer has actually done a lot of really cool work. Guy named, uh, had, his just, had his name just pulled up. I don't remember. I'll figure it out. Henry Jackman. He's in a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Forgettable. Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. the, the Monsters. We should talk about that. Okay. The predator, and then it al- there's also a couple of things you see in the trailer that that kind of similar alien things that come with it. CGI forgettable. Uh, uh, there were some bits. Uh, to be fair, there are some cool animatronic bits with the predator. I think the first yeah, time you see it, some it it's, its face is a little animatronic, and like yeah, there's there's some stuff there, and that's cool. And and for the practical effects, the action works. They blow up a house at one point. And it's like they actually blow up that house. They yeah. blow up a car. And it's like they blow up that car. Like that. Yeah. That stuff is cool. The the like core action works but everything
1: around it it just sucked <laughs> yeah i mean even you know we talked about happy time murders which was terrible terrible but it was at least a cohesive film like it had a, a plot and characters and it, it was a bad idea mm-hmm. poorly executed but at least it made sense right like, like this is missing all that yeah
0: like the editing in happy time murders <laughs> kept it together, whereas in this movie the editing is, is bad, and, and like it's all rushed, uh, like I was telling Andy before we started the podcast I don't think there's a shot in this film longer than 5 seconds ever, I, it is constantly cutting all the time, even when there's a lull in action, which is only briefly before we get to more action, it's got this setup kind of like Mad Max Fury Road, where it's like oh we're on the run and we gotta deal with the Predator, but like you never get that downtime. That's the that's the charm of something like again, to draw a comparison to a film that is not in this series, Aliens Like you get the downtime you get time like you know there are aliens around but you get time when they're all locked in and just hanging out and like Sigourney Weaver's trying to get the kid to go to sleep like you get get those moments when like things decompress a little bit and you can relax and that keeps the action exciting when it comes back like that's what keeps us going. Um, but if it's all action all the time, you get bored. Like even Mad Max Fury Road had 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 lulls in action. Like you have to, you have to have a low to get a better high. And in this movie, it doesn't happen like ever. It's yeah. it's all stupid action, a hundred and ten percent of the time.
1: Yeah, it, it was like I said, it was um, it was really bad on mm-hmm. all on all fronts. Even even with a very low bar, it was still disappointed
0: the movie was written by Shane Black and his buddy Fred Decker who has also worked on <sighs> RoboCop 3 Star Trek Star Trek Enterprise uh, which is you know kind of neat but yeah I don't know if Mr. Fred was responsible for a lot of this or, or if it was Shane or what I know you said there were a lot of like rewrites and yeah reshoots I think they had to stuff. do
1: some extensive reshoots and I, I know that they reshot the end ending so mm. well that's <laughs> I was I was like well it wouldn't have mattered. Like, it, it, it's not any better. It w- I can't imagine anything would have made it any better. It's
0: just or odd. Many like, worse. I, Shane Black, just just to ra- rattle off some writing credits for Shane Black: Lethal Weapon one, two, and three, and four. That was all all him. Uh, he he wrote the la- last action hero. He wrote Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man three, The Nice Guys. Uh, like, I, I don't I don't get how somebody who's done all of this incredible work arrives at this movie like it just doesn't seem yeah i, I mean, mean
1: it's weird so what, what i've heard uh, i heard a great great quote over the weekend that said he is the right director for the wrong film
0: yeah maybe you're right it just i i don't know like i was i was baffled halfway through the movie i started thinking to myself maybe this is a different shane black maybe this can't be the guy that directed the nice guys there's no way like these are two completely different leagues of films the nice guys was a patient subtle smarmy sarcastic dry comedy and this is is not that in any way and i know movies don't have to be the same as the predecessor but like he just he seemed to be a guy who who was a patient director and this movie does not have that and i don't know if that was this was him flexing his action muscles like i want to see what i can do with an action movie i'm gonna go nuts like maybe it was but it, it did not pay off it yeah. didn't and and i think that will be reflected uh, in the weeks to come following what i assume will be incredibly diminishing box office. Sales. Yeah, th-
1: yeah, that's the other thing. So it made uh, about 55 million worldwide. Um but it was on a bu- budget of 88 million. Yeah. And i was i th- i thought it was like a half to a third of that by how poor it was
0: yeah let me be clear that money is not used that effectively like it really isn't i, I think a lot of that went to waste i uh, went to actors i don't know to CGI, it, I don't it doesn't know. it doesn't show in the film it really doesn't this does not seem like an 88 million dollar film it, it like i'd look at something like transformers and assume like that had you know triple quadruple the budget that this has like they're blowing yeah. up cities in that movie and like in this it's it's pretty much small town predator like it wasn't I don't know. It just wasn't that awesome. A lot of stuff was shot on set. A lot of stuff shot inside. Like, just did not quite scratch that hitch. So, a- anything else we should talk about before we move on from this abomination of a film? Uh, nope. Andy, what would you recommend Predator? Sorry. Would uh, you recommend The Predator? Um,
1: pre- No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. I, no. I, now I can't speak for fans of the series, you know, because... I can. The, <laughs> okay. Go ahead. That's enough. Well, because I was going to say, like, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for things like Hellraiser, which is not a good series at all, but I just enjoy it. And the first so, one's okay. So the first I can't, one's pretty good. Come on. <laughs> so I'll give I, you the first one. So I can't uh, really say, but it was, it was just so bad on just a fundamental filmmaking level, like narratively, <sighs> characters, actors, comedy, all just like the basic building blocks of even just the most basic film was just, or just not there
0: yeah i i would not recommend this movie if it shows up on netflix skip it like and i know that's saying a lot because normally oh, it's on netflix it's free no dude it's bad like I, I i don't get how shane black could make a movie like this I, I don't get how a lot of the actors and actresses in it could be a part of it and it still be this bad uh if yeah. you're looking for a cool performance by trevante rhodes from moonlight he does a pretty good job uh what's his name boyd holbrook pretty good I mean, Shirley so like, Ke- K. Brown's
1: always good. Like uh, uh, Keegan Michael Key, completely not funny.
0: No, not funny at all. And, it's like, and come which on. by the way, I assume he had to have known. He had to have known he was making it, like, I'm supposed to be an unfunny character because it never lands. Never once. I'm like, you're a comedian. Like, why do why your jokes why are your jokes not funny? I don't know. Uh totally skip it. If you want to watch a, a decent Predator reboot, watch Predators. It's better than this. And, and I mean that 110%. I don't think that's just rose colored glasses. So skip it pass do not go see the predator it is not worth your time tell your friends not to see it uh don't do it please for the love of god don't and with that we should move on to our uh, kind of subtle discussion between the i know it's a hard hard right turn into, <laughs> into into not being uh salty about this movie we should talk about uh superheroes in film is this formula like a, like a death? Song? yes this oh. is
1: the death of cinema That's the music. Anyway, uh, you, please <laughs> kick us off. You, you, you kinda, okay, so yeah. we wanted to talk a little bit about superhero roles. So in recent months, uh, Ben Affleck has backed out of the Batman role, and Henry Cavill has now backed out of the Superman role, the two titular characters, the pillars of the DCEU, yeah. um, to be replaced. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about that and what maybe some of our picks are uh, for for, <laughs> for those roles and sure. do and some other things. So one of the things that, that I think um, – no matter with Batman or Superman is you have to decide just kind of what version or what era of those heroes you're going to be. And this is one of the big problems that I think DC has done is that they, they did a Superman origin movie and Henry Cavill is, you know, stepping into the, the red boots and the Cape. But then when we got to Batman, we got old grizzle, hard drinking, uh, Batman, which is not how he really is in the comics, um, other than his kind of El world versions like in uh, Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you had two kind of clashing eras of of superhero. Um, so I think that's the first place to start is no matter where you decide that, that or that part has to be clear before you decide on like who, who's gonna play him. It's like are you doing very young Superman? are you doing oh like I, yeah I mentioned before, Kingdom come would be older version of Superman and it's uh, particularly with Batman you can do lots of different things start in different places
0: right so let's talk about I, I think it's important to talk about how other other comic book heroes have been approached all right that's that's a good way to go here all right We've had kind of a wacky approach to Batman all right because you had the Tim Burton Batman and you had the the very typical billionaire uh, philanthropist uh, playboy um, Michael Keaton kind of Batman and he was similar across George Clooney and Val Kilmer it's pretty much the same Batman even though it's a different actor back then uh, very much billionaire playboy that was yeah. kind of the, yeah that was kind of the angle. You got Christian Bale's Batman, a lot more like billionaire philanthropist, a little less playboy, a little less. I mean, you get some yeah. women in there, but much more like, hey, I, you know, and, he, and you get a lot more of a following from him coming up from his parents. Like you get a lot more of his upbringing. You get a lot more of who he, who he is and Batman Begins and kind of his training. So that one made a little bit more sense. But still a younger, reasonable Batman. Then you've got a hard turn into Batfleck, which is old, grizzled Batman. Yeah. Didn't necessarily go over great.
1: All right. Yeah, and and I thought he I thought he was good in that role, but I didn't I don't feel like the role was kind of appropriate for the series.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and and I I'd like to kind of counter that with the Marvel Spider Man and his okay. kind of because there's been three Spider Mans from now right. Yeah. All right, we've had Tobey Maguire Spider Man who is very much like boy next door kind of like really leaned into the Peter Parker and less the Spider Man. Yeah. Then you had Andrew Garfield. I would argue lean more into Spider Man, less Peter Parker, because he's very much like y you know, cool Spider Man. And then you got what's his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland, <laughs> who who is like, he is Peter Parker first and Spider Man second. And yeah. like, I think there's something to be said about that. I think there's something to be said about who you are really under the suit and why that matters, right? And with Batfleck, like, I don't feel like we got that as much. I feel like it was much. I mean, he wore he had a big suit for God's sake, big muscles. Like it was yeah. supposed to be like. Batman's huge and like maybe we should consider for recasting Batman going into a little bit more intimate a little bit more close to home who is this character Bruce Wayne what is he about
1: that's what makes the the Nolan trilogy so much more interesting is is we get um, I mean uh, the especially the first one people were shocked at Batman Begins because they were expecting what had come before it and what we get is almost like an indie we get an in-depth character study of a vigilante which we'd never gotten to that depth before.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think it's important to kind of pay attention to that. I, I, I'd argue the same for Superman. I, I, I think maybe, what like, what if we shift gears a little bit and instead of going, wait, wait, wait. How does nobody know that Clark Kent is Superman? All these dudes <laughs> wearing glasses. What if you cast a good Clark Kent? What if you start there? What mm-hmm. if you start with somebody who is a believable reporter
1: and right. then turn him <laughs> into Superman? And not, like, uh you know... Mr. Universe or whatever. Yeah, like. not
0: not barrel-chested Henry Cavill, who like clearly <laughs> would not be a reporter. You know, when he's not at the gym. Like, what if what if we went that way? And I know DC isn't really there now, but I think they could be. I look at Wonder Woman. All right, Gal Gadot, who's sticking with the series for Wonder Woman 1984. You've got uh, Jason Momoa, who's not necessarily a great example, but he's. I mean, he's a little bit more. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? I don't want to say real, but. He seemed, you know... Uh, <laughs> Modern, down to earth. There you go, sure, yes. And then you got, uh, what's his name, playing the Flash in 2019, who's still attached as far as... Yeah. Ezra Miller.
1: Ezra Miller, yeah. Who's
0: very much, like, he he's kind of a weird kid, and, like, that's what I mean. I'm like, what if you lean more into their personalities yeah. outside of the mask, under the cowl, and, yeah. like, worry about the superhero part later? I think that helps root it in realism. I, mean, I think that's what helps make it feel... Legitimate, and I don't know if Marvel outside of Spider Man, which is technically a Fox production, is really doing that. So maybe that's an angle, like maybe yeah. that's something you
1: could do. Well, Marvel at least has stuck uh, closer to the source material, and I think that's one of the problems with DCs. They keep trying to guess what audiences want, and the biggest example is Lex Luthor. Like they tried to turn oh, um, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg. Right? And they basically turned him into his character in the social network. Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. so they tried to. You know, what would a millennial billionaire be like? Right, and, and instead of like Lex Luthor, who in the comics is like a powerful, no nonsense, ruthless businessman, right? And it's like that's what that's who I wanted to see. That's who I always envision as Lex Luthor, and that's not who. I mean, they just conjured this version out of nowhere
0: yeah i think it's worth looking especially when you're talking about mr luther or even superman looking at a series like cw smallville that ran for 10 seasons and like the reason that worked is because at the beginning of that show lex luther is just a kid who doesn't get attention from his dad who runs a corporation and just wants to be you know he wants his dad to know who he is that was it that was his problem superman is a a, a farm a, a farm loving high school kid who doesn't know anything, you know, who's who's, who's, who's trying to figure out how he's going to pass his next science test. Like, there's something there in, like, starting with the origin. And and in these movies, and I didn't see Man of Steel, so maybe this is a bad example, I feel like you already, I mean, you're casting these people to look like Batman and Superman, and, like, maybe you should consider how they'll look when they're not Batman and Superman, because so much of the character is that. Yeah, I mean, even,
1: even Christian Bale is, I mean, he's a big guy, he's over six foot, you know, and... He he got he had just gone from the machinist where he weighed 127 pounds to like 190 200 for Batman Begins. You know, mm-hmm. like he had to put on a bunch of weight, but he still looked like a normal person. Like Ben Affleck looks like he's roided up, <laughs> like yeah, when he's like hauling tires, right. in, in like, the Workout scene.
0: Christian Bale has these great moments when he's playing Bruce Wayne, where he, you know he'll 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 throw a look to somebody like Aaron Eckhart or or, or Michael Caine, of course. When he's just got, he's got this look on his face like he gets it, you know. Like the 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 whole the whole billionaire philanthropist playboy, that's a facade to Bruce Wayne. That that shouldn't be any real part of his identity. That is that is fake. That is just as fake as like the mask he wears as Batman. Like and 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 I, didn't, I never got that from Ben Affleck. And, and and Christian Bale had those moments though where he'd have like this knowing look, you know, on his face like I get it, you know, or I I don't know. And and it's difficult to explain but like christian bale managed to get that a little bit ben affleck i never felt it and and i hope whoever they cast next can do that a little bit at least that's what i'm going for anyway maybe maybe the folks at dc are looking to do something totally different uh, but it hasn't worked out great from so far so that's that uh
1: so let's talk about that a little bit there have been some rumors one name has kind of popped up to replace uh henry cavill Mm. and who's that that is uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Killmonger himself from uh, interesting Black Interesting choice
0: from Black Panther. And it's interesting, and we all know why, I think. <laughs> uh, Michael B. Jordan is, of course, a black actor. And yes. <laughs> Superman is traditionally a white hero.
1: Andy, it's a hot take. What do you think? <laughs> um, I think that that would be really cool. I think that would be one of the things that just kind of makes the character more relatable, to, And something, I mean, we, we talk about needing new things in DC or maybe new approaches, and this would definitely be Uh, a new approach
0: yeah a hot sports opinion do it totally like i i think there's so much value in superman being a character who feels like he's not a part of something like he's like he's on his own and he's independent and he's not really a part of this culture and he looks at the world from afar from way up high and you know when he's flying in the sky or whatever and, and he's gotta he's gotta look at all these people running around on the earth and figure out like what am i what am i doing here what is this all about and like I think there might be something in casting a black actor in that role. I really do, and I think Michael B. Jordan could do it, despite his performance in uh, Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I really do think there's something there, and I like would it would it turn some heads? Absolutely, and maybe that's the shot of adrenaline DC needs right now. Yeah,
1: and. Uh, you know he's he's also he's getting ready I, I guess Creed 2 comes out in a couple months and you know so he definitely has the physique for the role when I th- try to think of other young actors to be I mean I can't I just no one really comes to mind because I think of like Ansel Elgore El- or uh, sure, Aaron Al- Aldenreich or you know the kind of these and they're all uh,
0: well I got a, I got a little hot list pulled up yeah, our man Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians
1: I could see that how Maybe? tall is he does that make a difference? It he's Tom be over Cruise six. is like five foot flat. He's, he's got to be, be over six foot. I,
0: d- I don't have his height record. He's got to <laughs> be over six foot. I don't have him. He's half Malaysian, half British. He's got he's got confidence, and he just seems he seems down to earth. He seems like somebody you'd get along with. I, I could see that working. The next hot one, John Krasinski, My man
1: Jack Reacher. Uh.
0: I hate to say he's a little rote, but like I feel like John Krasinski is Superman. Would be like really.
1: Okay, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there would be so many great, like, office jokes he's about it if he were.
0: Definitely. He's, he's, he's emotional. He's got that. He's got that emotional Superman, like, thing down pat. I think you could really tell a cool story with him. And I think he'd play a pretty good Clark Kent. I could see him riding, riding his bike to the Daily Bugle or whatever to write a hot story about Superman. Like, I, I could see that. But I, I do wonder how he'd look in the suit. Uh, one that I've seen on both lists for our, our, Superman and Batman, Army
1: Hammer. A I, contender, I could, you know I either I, way yeah. yeah yeah I could see that both I, I think more I would like to see him uh, be Batman I think that I think that would he, be the role he for
0: supposedly he was supposed to be Batman before the DC extended universe started back when George Miller was working on the Justice League supposedly army hammer was his pick for Batman so at one point or another he was in the running and he may be again but we'll have to see uh, another hot Superman take John Boyega yeah mm-hmm. yeah maybe. maybe he's a little,
1: he's a little too t- comical yeah <laughs> he's a little too comical that's all I think
0: uh if I had to go I think I'd, I think I'd pick jo- uh, uh Michael B. Jordan over John Boyega still yeah I, I might pick Michael B. Michael B. Jordan over most of these to be honest but all right when you're gonna roll your eyes out you ready Ryan Gosling
1: I I had heard so I oh and not uh, sorry I got confused I thought you said Jake Hall.
0: oh well I was gonna talk about him for Batman but we'll get there
1: yeah no definitely not he would this is what a, he would just like not talk the entire time.
0: Oscar Isaac. Ooh Maybe Ooh, in the maybe. Batman
1: in the Batman role. He's got
0: the hair for it. Yeah. He could do he could do Batman. I could see a good solid Oscar Isaac Batman. I could be into that. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. Those are just some hot picks. As far as Batman's concerned, and what's weird is this list I have is significantly younger than the Superman list, and I don't really know why that is. I got Army Hammer. Jake Gyllenhaal is the hot Batman pick, right? That's yeah. That's jo- the one that he's been rumored for that forever though. Mm-hmm. John
1: Ham as well. Ooh. John dude, John Hamm doesn't get enough work. That, man, that <laughs> man's good.
0: It really. I John John Ham's cool. But I, again, I wish
1: uh, you would he would probably be a little bit on the
0: older side. Mm. Yeah, I have also got people in here like uh not John Hamm. Uh <laughs> this is Mandy Patinkin, was that a joke? Uh Ansel Elgort, I'm like, as
1: he's gonna have to hit the gym
0: as yeah as batman like it's a pretty young batman but i mean if you if you cast a young if you cast a young superman maybe you could do that something something with that but you've already you already did justice league with three with three heroes who, as far as we know are sticking around you already have wonder woman you already have uh aquaman and you already have the flash like you got to go with somebody relatively older now yeah. right you're kind of tied to that unless unless you hard reboot after them and i don't, I don't think that's an option but
1: Okay. Adam, I don't know. Adam Driver. I was going—I
0: was about to say Adam <laughs> Driver. In fact, speak of the devil, his ears were burning. His huge ears. Uh, <laughs> maybe.
1: As Batman. You I don't think, you think he'd be a Batman?
0: Maybe. I get that quiet out of Superman, but Superman's got a clean cut. And again, Adam adam Driver, huge ears. Like, if you haven't seen <laughs> behind that, that, that hair that hides it, huge ears. I don't know how that would fly, but uh, as Batman, maybe. Maybe. He's a little, I don't know. I'm a little biased by the fact that he's not Darth Vader to say, oh, he could, he could be the the, the cowl, yeah, sure. Um, poser Darth Vader could be could be a real Batman. I don't know, but either way, I, it's it's a conversation worth having. I think I don't know who they're gonna pick. Those are just some hot choices based off the internet. Uh, you got anybody else? While I'm thinking about it. Uh,
1: not really. But the last thing I was gonna say is that it does gear up to maybe reboot the universe.
0: See. I don't see there being anything wrong with that for a couple of reasons. One, they rebooted Spider-Man three times and it flew. And three, this is DC. You guys are a comic book company. You know how to reboot. At least I would think you'd know yeah. how to take a fresh swing at it. So like, what could it hurt at this point? You know, if they came out with another Justice League movie in five years with a different cast, we'd probably all go see it. So yeah. for what it's worth, like, I, I I hate to say there's no harm in that, but there may be no harm in
1: that. They have promised several movies though for down the line. Like there's they're still, I think they're, filming the flash so they you have to get Sp- supposed le- to start
0: filming in 2019 for the yeah flash, supposed yeah. to get
1: at least through that so you might have to replace the actors but you still gotta stay along this timeline
0: yeah either way like I, whatever they do i'm excited to see what happens i am any like almost anything dc does i'm in, I'm into except for the aqua movie it's gonna be terrible but like <laughs> anything yeah anything that takes that kind of fresh swing at it wonder woman 1984 i'm interested the flash movie i'm definitely interested whatever whatever yeah. he's doing I, i'm into so I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's 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 worth having a conversation about and I guess that's our conversation about it. With that being said, uh, we should move on to our final film, I guess. You wanna you, you, you generously offered to take the <laughs> take the take the cover on this, please. White Boy
1: Rick. Uh, this is a new film by Jan Demange. Uh, Which stars Matthew McConaughey and Mitchie Merritt as the uh, titular white boy Rick. Um, This story takes place in the 1980s in Detroit. Uh, It's a very depressed area of town. Uh, The drug war, the war on drugs, is in full steam. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays a a firearms dealer, but that kind of deals under the table. Um, And the family is kind of broken. Their daughter's a drug addict. And uh, Ricky, or Rick, uh, decides to kind of, uh, he sells some guns to the local drug dealers and gets in good with them and eventually, uh, you know, becomes a gangster himself and ends up, you know, tangled up with the drug dealers and the FBI. And uh, that's kind of the setup of the story. Right.
0: So it's based on a true story. They make that very clear in the trailer and they make that very clear in the intro of the film when it pops up right boy Rick, based on a true story right there. Like they want you to know up front this is very much coming from a, 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 a true place. Andy, uh, well, I guess you should talk about what I thought about it first, right? That makes yeah, sense? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I've got some family out in Detroit, and I think that's important to, to, to start with because of the setting. The whole movie takes place in the, uh, the very depressed area of Detroit, 1980s. I wasn't around in the 1980s, but I got family out in Detroit. Detroit has not changed much. It hasn't. Uh, So it was easy to film. So for what it's worth, a lot of the setting of this movie, I was like, this feels right. And I felt like a lot of the characters played it pretty close like to to what I feel like Detroit would feel like then. Uh, They did a really good job of kind of setting it up and making it feel, um, period. And in that way, I really enjoyed this movie. Where I stumbled was kind of the structure of the plot. And maybe because it's based on a true story, they decided we need to stick pretty close to it. Yeah. But the fact that you used the word based on and not just a true story, makes me think you probably could have tweaked it a little bit to adapt it to screen better. But that's just me. What did you think?
1: Uh, so I really, really liked it. I was not really looking forward to this. <laughs> I, For when I saw the trailer, it looked really generic and it looked like uh, one of these movies that we've seen before. Uh, it reminds me of the Tom Cruise movie. I can't remember the name that came out recently where he was like a drug runner for the CIA and it kind of glamorizes that like
0: american american made i that's think. it something like that yeah, american but it, hustle i don't know
1: yeah a movie like that it glamorizes like uh, being a drug lord while when you when you're not when you're doing it for the cia you're not risking going going to prison right um uh but but this film very different it does not glamorize the the drug gangster lifestyle uh, they live in abject poverty poverty is essentially the villain in in the film like that's really the root cause of everything that that's going on there um yeah there's just so much in this movie that that I didn't expect you know because it, it brings up issues of race of poverty of economic in, inequality um the only reason uh Rick starts uh dealing is because their family is just so broke that, and they, they don't have uh any options Um, So I I really enjoyed it. There's a great line. Sorry, I mentioned uh, race um, where one of the uh, drug dealers, uh, you know, he catches Ricky kind of dealing on the side and he's worried it's going to bring some heat. And he says, he's like, man, you can't do this around here because you get picked up. You're doing white time. I get picked (laughs) up. I'm doing black time. Right. He's like, you know, addressing the unequal incarceration of african-american men in the country
0: yeah it's very present in the title of course white boy rick and they're, they don't shy away from why he's called that like it's 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 yeah. pretty clear uh he kind of gets his comeuppance in, in a group of um I don't want to say drug dealers exclusively. Kind of, kind of, kind of just a, a group of black friends, really, who are yeah. kind of into some bad stuff, dealing drugs and God knows what. Uh, I guess a gang, technically.
1: Yeah, it's something uh, like that. Yeah,
0: it's the 80s, so it's not exactly a, gr- a group of gang bangers as you'd expect them. Like, they're actually pretty chill. They hang out behind an arcade. Like, it's pretty cool. Uh, his dad, Matthew McConaughey, uh, plays a gun seller, I should say, a gun reseller, and he's kind of an intimidating character. McConaughey does this odd, like kind of accent in it he's got this like midwestern kind of kind of nasally kind of thing going and i hate to say it but i'm matthew just just do you we all know what you sound like (laughs) Like, you're not it's like all right all all it reminded me of morgan freeman in million dollar baby i'm like stop you're trying to do like a thing and we know who you are (laughs) just be you like it's fine you're not fooling anybody but as far as like the performances go i was really impressed i I was really impressed by the by the acting in this movie I, i i was surprised by uh Bell, Bell Paoli, I think, is the name of the sister. She was fantastic. The kid yeah. who plays uh, White Boy Rick, uh, it was his first film, I think, ever as as an actor, uh, and he was surprisingly good in a way that I think is probably unintentional. He he he's mentioned a couple times in the film as being smart. He, he does not seem smart. His character does not seem smart. He seems pretty dumb. And and what's yeah, worth knowing, right? And what's worth knowing is in 1980s Detroit, and for for a kid who is you know. Run, running guns and hanging out with gangs and not going to school you would be dumb so like unintentionally it actually came out of working really well I, I get it like his, his kid would be kind of shy and like he, he plays this character who is very like sh- he doesn't have any friends he's very shy and like he does his own thing but he tries he tries to be hard that's his whole deal like he tries to be tough in, in front of people because that's how he's been raised by his dad and like it works uh, for what it is like he seems like a believable character um Every, everybody seemed to work really well in this movie
1: yeah the, the movie kind of has a theme of family yeah um you know because ricky's family it's itself is kind of broken like his dad is broke and can't you know can't afford rent his sister's a junkie and like running around screaming around the neighborhood or can't be found half the time mm-hmm. and then you know he that's part of what draws him to this crew is that like he's got friends and he's got people looking after him he's got you know he's making money now and so like the there's a familial element uh, to the film as well and that kind of changes and and evolves throughout right. the movie. Now it
0: is a little uh pressing on the on on the realism I guess because to me I I was like there's there's no way like this family would be particularly tight knit and it seems like the dad is trying to keep them tight knit and it's funny because at one point he tells his daughter you know get your get your clothes on we're going for custard and she's like why would we ever go out what are you talking about we don't ever do anything like that. And he makes it seem like, yeah, we do. We do all the time. And I'm like, no. Like, realistically, yeah, you guys would never do that. Like, you would be a terrible father, and, and you would never get along. And I think they try to, like, inject this element of, uh, you know, family and togetherness, especially with the mom and dad, the grandpa and grandma who live across the street. Like, we're supposed to be like, oh, they're a family, and they, they make it through. And I'm like, no, man. Like, I <laughs> love them to death. I've got family in Detroit. It's not how it works. <laughs> like, that's not... That's they're great, but I mean, all the other families like that's it's just how it's how they roll, man. Like it, people live out on the street. So like that that was a little strange. I feel like that was a little bit more like adapted from an actual story, uh, just to right. kind of give it a little bit more heart. And I feel like if you're going to adapt it, th- that may not have been the best place to spend those resources. We should talk about the plot. Uh, I felt like at one point this movie is a five act play or five act film because it didn't feel like three acts. Because about halfway through the movie, I thought, okay, things are wrapping up we're good and it's like nope that's half of the film there's a lot more to go and and i was not ready for that and it really really sullied the second half of my experience because i was just like when is this like checking my watch like when is this going to be done like you did it you you told a pretty cohesive story in the first half of this film and the second half just kind of makes it feel like it drags and i think there could have been a way they could have put that together a little bit tighter what did you think
1: Uh, It didn't really bother me uh, as much, but I I think you are right. Like the climax kind of comes in the center and then it in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Trails off. Um, Like I I said, uh, the thing that impressed me the most is that it's not glorifying this lifestyle. Like I, I kind of thought we were going to go, it was going to be like, you know, Detroit Scarface, Mm -hmm. uh, something like that. And it's like, no, he doesn't become a a kingpin. No, he doesn't have like all the money in, in the world. And like, it's actually quite a tragic story in in the end. Right. Uh,
0: not not to get too far in the weeds on, on the ending of the film, but yeah, like the trailer made it, I mean, literally they throw the word kingpin on the trailer at one point. It's like, no, yeah. he's, not, he's not that way. And if he is, they did a terrible job of showing it in the film, which isn't for lack of trying. It's a particularly low budget film. It had to have been. Like they, yeah. there was not a lot of budget here. They used it pretty well, to be fair. There's some stuff that's, you can tell, like at one point it's snowing. It's like, that's CGI snow. That's not legit, but like, For what it's worth, they shot a lot of this on location, like, they shot with a lot of natural light, and, like, it works pretty well. Like, it's pretty believable as a setting. The problem is, yeah, you get to the end of the movie and and things start to feel unsatisfying. Like, by the time you hit the end of, I want to say it's two hours. Like, this is a little long. It didn't need to go that far. Like, they probably could have tightened it up a bit, and I think it would have worked just as well, even if it wasn't as true to life. Um Gosh, oh, uh, the music. I did want to talk about that. The music was done by a guy named Max Richter. He did the soundtrack for Shutter Island and uh, HBO's The Leftovers, amongst other things. I really dug it, man. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I really dug the soundtrack to this movie.
1: There's this great juxtaposition because it, it kind of, as it goes through the years, like 1984, 86, 88, um, you know, he hangs out at this skating rink and everything kind of updates, like the style, everyone's clothes updates, but also the music, like the, the hip-hop is like, precise to the year yeah um like i and i could really hear it especially if you're a, like a hip-hop head you'll definitely and they're, yeah I they're good the picks
0: difference. too they're, they're good good tracks and and not only like yeah the choice of, of, of music selection but also just like the sound of the film it's often using like a really really loud pressing beat almost electronic uh which didn't fit in the world of the film but like just kind of had a cool to- tone and sound to it and helped give it an identity and like it felt different than other yeah. movies i feel like the I got out of this movie and wanted to go find the soundtrack on Spotify to listen to it because I, I really dug it. So for what it's worth, uh, Max Richter did a great job on
1: the soundtrack. Any other thoughts? Uh, well, I I like that it referenced a lot of issues in the 80s that are still issues today, but particularly things like uh, the war on drugs. Race you know, was a yeah, thing, yeah, big time. They, they mention, like, they refer to Nancy Reagan, and there's, um, you know, at one point, like, he gets involved with ha- being an FBI informant, and they kind of ma- make him start... They're saying, well, you know, it's gonna be suspicious if you're buying drugs without selling drugs. So here, and that that plays into this, uh, not conspiracy, but a kind of a strongly held belief that the CIA introduced crack to poor neighborhoods in the 80s.
0: Man, yeah, let me tell you, uh, this movie does not make me want to go be any kind of informant for the FBI or anything. Oh no, it does not glamorize that in any way. It's kind of the opposite. It, it does not make it seem good. And you're right; like it does seem like there's. Especially by the end of the film, uh there, there's definitely like an overarching is like it's like there's an invisible hand over the whole thing, which would be I assume law enforcement and where that's coming from. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, oh, you it turns out you're you're just kind of a small part of a bigger tale here. Um which, you know, go see yeah, the film, it, see yeah, for yourself a, what exactly that
1: means. But it is a commentary on the penal system and law enforcement and how it, it exploits uh, marginalized pop- populations. populations.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. Um, you, you do get a satisfying, not to get too spoilery with the ending, you, you get a pretty satisfying uh, conclusion. Um, you get a little bit of details on, because like I said, they, they very much own the based-on-true story thing. That you get a little bit of details on the true story. If you plan on seeing this movie, if you've gotten through this review and thought to yourself, you know, I'm still kind of interested in seeing that, don't Google it. Just go see it fresh, I think. The less you yeah, know about definitely. it, the better. Yeah. Um, but a really, a really satisfying, for me anyway, a really, a really cool, satisfying... Um, way to end the film in a way that I haven't seen done with these kind of movies yet they're like oh true story and here's a little bit about the actual people like they, they did something unique and I don't want to give it away Um, but it's in the last minute or two of the film and like I really really cool technique I, I hope more more films do it and I don't maybe we'll talk about that later on a spoiler cast or something But okay. yeah I'll, I'll tell you about it after the show in case you're curious. it's fine yeah if you want to know just shoot me a message or something but uh, any other thoughts before we move on to recommendations
1: I think I'm ready Andy would you recommend White Boy Rick? Yes, absolutely. Like I said, um, great performances, really surprising direction, and uh, it's really thought-provoking and really pre- kind of presents a lot of issues outside of just the story being told.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was, I was, was really pleased with it as well. Just real quick, because I didn't mention the director, Yann Demange, he's a, he's a French director also known for 71 Top Boy and Dead Set, and if you don't know what any of those are, I don't either, so we're, <laughs> we're in the same boat. Uh, yeah, actually, actually enjoyed it a lot, especially compared to uh, Predator. It's not perfect, and it's 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 a little long. It could have been a little tighter. Um, but it, it's There's got a, a lot of potential. Yeah, it's got a cool soundtrack. It's got some really good acting. Like I'm, I was really surprised by the actors. And it's um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of it's it's a neat little story. Uh, it's worth it's worth a watch. I think I don't know if it's hey go you know go out on a Friday and pay full price for a ticket or something. But like if it shows up on HBO or Netflix, it's worth your time. It's it's worth a watch, uh, I'd say. So yeah, don't be afraid to to, to uh, check it out. And with that being said, I think that about wraps our show uh, for next week. We're kind of in a weird spot. I'm going to be honest because on the one hand, we've got the Sisters Brothers, which we don't know if is actually coming out or not. No, yeah, like want to see it. It's on it's on every release list that we've seen so far. But like we've had movies on this show that we said, oh, we're going to see this, and it didn't come out in 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 our town for a while. So. We're gonna try to go see that. If we can't see Sisters Brothers, we're gonna check out this movie called Assassination Nation. I'm gonna be honest; I saw the trailer once and completely forgot it. And just like <laughs> a Little Stranger, that might be the best way to go see it. I think so. Maybe just don't, you know, just just don't see that, uh, and and we'll see what we can do uh, there as far as films that are streaming. We're probably gonna watch The Witch. I think is the movie <laughs> to see. I, I know October's coming up, and we're gonna get into horror films because it is the season of the witch and i love horror films in october and we will get there just to preview for anybody who likes them but for now we're going to check out the witch and see what that's about and squeezing a horror film before then uh if you'd like to be involved with the show if you want to text us if you want to tell us what you thought if you like the show if you didn't like it email us at mail at offscript check out our website offscriptfilmreview.com, check us out on twitter at offscript Offscript Review, I think is the name of the Twitter account. Check us so, out on Facebook and we Offscript We should write film. this down. I know, we really should. You'd think, after this, you'd think after 33 episodes we'd have it worked out, but we don't. Uh, check us out, I guess, and get involved with the show. Um, thanks for listening, and from all of us here at the Home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.